about an hour before the study started, somewhere around there, I don't know. Um, again, just just getting a sense that there's there's stuff that's going on in people's lives, and then kind of leading into what I, I had already written on my notes, starting, I don't know, 4.30 this morning. And I shared with you a while back, and I just kind of had to go back as to when it was. It was back in chapter 15 or so of Second Samuel. And I, I shared this with you, that we are either coming out of a trial, in the middle of a trial, or going out of a trial, or coming out of a trial, or, or, or going into a trial. So we're either coming out in the middle of, or, or, or going into one. How, however the case may be, tri- trials are a part of life. That's what happens. And, and we find ourselves in Second Samuel chapter 20, so you can make your way there this evening, and, and, and yet last week as we were covering chapter 19, we saw that King David was in the middle of a trial as we started that chapter. He was, he was so in, in, in the middle of something that was so overwhelming in his life because his son had gotten killed and he was mourning over the death of his son. Now, as a father, we can understand that, that he was in the middle of this trial. It, it just so happened that his son, that he is mourning over, wanted to kill his dad. <laughs> and yet, he, he's at a point that he is just kind of almost feeling, if only it was me instead of my son... But he's in the middle of this trial. So as a dad, we understand that even though whatever happens in our lives from our kids or if we've done this to our parents, that there's this love that, that we have for someone who even wants to hurt us, but they're kin, you know? They're, they're blood. And your heart goes out to them. And so as a father, we understand that he's in the middle of the trial. But as the king of Israel, he was just coming out of a trial. He was coming out of the trial in that the the one that was out to kill him was now dead. And the war was over. And so Israel has the victory. And so as the king, he should be rejoicing and, 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 and greeting all his troops coming in from the battlefield, destroying his enemy who happened to be his son. He should be victorious right now because it's a great, great victory. And so he should be coming out of the trial in that sense as the king. So what we learned last week also was that his right-hand man, because of what he's going through, that he is in this depression almost, or in the middle of this trial because his son is, is, is dead, his right-hand man has to come in and put him in place, in his place, and say, hey, snap out of it. Snap out of it, because what you're doing is not good. And so David realized that even though he's in the middle of a trial, outwardly and for the sake of the nation, he had to show them that he was coming out of the trial and he was rejoicing with them, even though deep down inside he is just broken. 
And it's understandable because sometimes you're going through the midst of a trial and you can't take that to work with you. You can't, you can't, you can't be out in public sobbing and weeping like you were at home in private because this heaviness is so upon you because you show up to work and they're going, dude, what the heck is the matter with you? Go home. <laughs> you can't function. But you know that the responsible thing to do is like, okay, I got to put those things aside and I got to go do what I got to do. And this is, this is the situation that King David is in. That inside he is, he is broken because his son is, is dead. And yet, as the king of Israel, he has to show, I am coming out of the trial. And so King David had to deal with all, all, all the stuff, that, all, all the, the emotions that he's dealing with and put them in check and do what he's got to do as king. And we looked at this last chapter, and he was surrounded by so many different personalities, good and bad. And at the end of chapter 19, (laughs) everyone is fighting over King David now that he's back. Now that that it's all said and done, we have the the nation of Israel saying, hey man, we, we want David for us. And the and, and, and then Judah down here is saying, yeah, but he's our kin. He's our family. So we get him. They're going, no, we have ten tribes, so we have ten shares in him. And so he should be all over. And it just seemed like everybody's shouting his name. David, David, we want you. We want you, David. But that would be short-lived because we get into chapter 20. <laughs> you see... Even though outwardly, and as the king, he had victory, and everybody's clamoring for him. And it seems like, okay, this trial is over. It's all good. There was another trial right around the corner that was going to smack him in the face. And it's like, this is our life, people. This is our life. This is what we deal with. And I want to just encourage you with the scriptures that I shared back in chapter 15 a while back. I want to share these scriptures with you. It says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then in John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, My peace... Or peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And, 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 and I share these scriptures with you because they are a comfort to me as well. You see, when, when we are headed in a trial, into a trial, in the middle of one or coming out of a trial getting ready for the next one around the corner, it just seems that there is no rest. (laughs) There's always something happening. Whether it's a big trial or a small trial, there's always something happening as we're seeing in the life of David. 
And you see, and, and, our, and our, our rest, even though we're not getting any, cannot be in the circumstances, cannot be in the consequences of life. They have to be in Jesus every day. Every day they have to be. That's where we get our rest. In, 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 as you're headed into a trial, coming out of a trial, or in the middle of a trial, that is where you find your rest in Jesus. Nowhere else. So you could be headed into the gnarliest trial ever known to mankind, or you could be in the middle of it right now, or you're just like, okay, I think I'm coming out of it, getting ready for the next one. But your rest has to be in Christ every day. He says, I, I, I told you you will have tribulation. You will have trials. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. No matter what happens, I've overcome that. And the peace that you say you need, because you have no peace, let me be your peace. Let me be the one that, that, that gives you that peace right now so that nothing can shake you or move you at this point. And you see, I, I share all those things because of where we're headed in our text. But I share those things because I have to convince myself of those things too. <laughs> you know? When I'm ready to quit and just say, forget this whole thing, you know? I'm done. Or it's just, life is so hard and poor me. Because I'm sure nobody's ever dealt, dealt with what I deal with. It's like, man, quit being a little girl, Zeke. Let God be your rest. Let God be your peace. Because it never stops, guys. It really doesn't. Until you breathe your last, then it all stops. Then you're okay, okay? Other than that... Look forward to trials. And we should just end there on that happy note and say, yeah, I've got courage tonight. Second Samuel chapter 20, verses 1 through 3 for right now. It says, And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah from the Jordan as far as, as Jerusalem remained loyal to their king. Now David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the, and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in seclusion, and supported them, but did not go into them. So they were shut up to the day of their death, living in wi widowhood. Now, this, this is where we can say, Lord, did you really have to have a rebel waiting for me when I got into town? Did you really, Lord, need, need to have somebody waiting for me there that was just going to pop my bubble and then just turn everybody against me again? Did, did I really need that in my life, Lord? Because isn't that what sometimes we, we think about when, when all of a sudden it's like, okay, I think it's settled down, and then this other trial kind of hits us, and you're going, you're kidding me, right, Lord? You're kidding me because I really didn't need this in my life today. You know, it, it, it's almost like I can't bear this up anymore. 
So why did you have to have that rebel there guy waiting for me? Because I know if you're anything like me, I want a life of ease. <laughs> really? I, I, I don't want hard times anymore. I'm tired of hard times. I'm tired of, of crying over things. And I do cry. You see, I want a life that is effortless. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> With no difficulties. Wouldn't that be amazing? That It's like, yeah, just skating by, man. Everything is like amazing. You get every green light from here until Victorville, man. Every green light. You're going, Lord, this is so good, man. And you park, man. You're not parking in a handicap like you normally do. But you're parking and it's like, man, this is just like handicap. I'm parking right here, man. Everything is great. You get in there and there's no lines at the checkout stand. You're going, Lord, do you, man, you love me. Then you come out, man, somebody stole your car. It's like, what? Are you kidding me, God? You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff, you know. The, you, you want a life of ease, but it's never going to be that easy. It just doesn't seem to be that easy. There's always something that happens from the littlest things to the biggest things in our life, you know. And, and I was reminded as I'm thinking of all this that's going through my little pea brain as I'm studying this. Romans chapter 5, verses four, uh, 3 to 5. You know, and, and, and in Romans chapter 5 in the beginning, he's saying, man, you have access to God. You have peace with God. You have the grace of God. You have all these things. And not only that, as he says in, 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 uh, in verse 3 of chapter 5, he says, and not only that, but you also, or we also glory in tribulation. <laughs> what? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is in you or has been given to you. You see, this is how I know that we can bear up under tribulation because the Holy Spirit lives within us. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Holy Spirit that has given Him the power to do that lives inside of us. And so when tribulation comes, it's not for nothing. The trials come that, that you're into right now or that you're coming out of or however you're in the middle of, they are to produce something in our lives. Or we can just give up and cry like little girls, right? No offense, little girls. but Or we can just cry. But you see, they produce perseverance. And that, again, perseverance is, is holding up under the weight. And it produces character in you to where people go, why aren't you freaking out right now? Life, I know your life. I know what's going on in your life. Why aren't you freaking out? And, and, and all of a sudden, people are looking at that character and going, there's something different about your life. And that character produces hope in your life. And hope doesn't disappoint you. It will never disappoint. The hope that we have in the Lord will never, ever, ever disappoint. And so here we have David that everybody's clamoring his name. Everybody's shouting his name. And he's just like, yes. And then this guy shows up by the name of Sheba. And it calls him a rebel. And rebel, this word rebel is an interesting word. I don't know what translation you have there. But the, 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 the phrase in the King James is, is a man of Belial. A man of Belial. Now the, Nason, the, the Nelson's di, uh, Bible Dictionary says this about Belial. The, word, the name Belial means worthlessness. So this man 
was a worthlessness kind of person. And, and, and here's some of the, the, the words that are associated with Belial. It means corrupt, perverted, rebel, scoundrel, worthless man, a worthless rogue. Now, a daughter of Belial in this dictionary says it means a wicked woman, one who is base a, a, and, and worthless. Now, the, the name Belial is sometimes, it takes, it, it, it's, it's used in a proper form or, or it's personified in a person, but it also applies to, to a demon or to Satan. Many scholars believe that Belial is another name for Satan. So this rebel who shows up it's not just this ordinary, like, I just want to be a rebel with a cause, kind of, you know. It's like, no, this is a full-on satanic, worthless human being that is there just to, just to mess up David's life. So what we have here is a troublemaker, not a peacemaker. And, there, and, and is, isn't there those kind of people in your life, kind of? People that are just troublemakers, they're never around you to cause peace. They're always there to poke you, to agitate you. They're always there to cause some kind of trouble, not peace in your life. They're not peacemakers, they're troublemakers. And this is who Sheba is. Sheba is this man, this worthless kind of a man, who shows up and he just wants to cause trouble. And once again, David could have like, oh, why? But this worthless man, Sheba, is a Benjamite, which means that he is from the tribe of King Saul. So, so he may be a throwback, basically, from the kingdom of Saul when Saul was around. It doesn't tell us his age or his, you know, he has family that was part of the kingdom dynasty or the era there, the monarchy there. And so more than likely, um, this man who was of the tribe of Saul, a Benjamite, he was also probably in the, um, in the rebellion that, that Absalom had, had thrown against his dad. He was probably all for him. But I could almost guarantee you that at one point, this guy would probably have turned against Absalom as well. And so here he is. This guy, he's a troublemaker. He is one who is influenced by the enemy. Um, and, and, and he is there just to cause trouble. And this is what Jesus had to say about the enemy, Satan, in John 10.10. 10, the thief, he calls him a thief here, does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come that, I may give, have, that you may have life, and you may have it, that, have it more abundant. And so the enemy uses people in this life that are troublemakers and they come just to just to 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 steal or kill or destroy the joy the peace that you could be experiencing that's all they're here to do. They 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 just love to do that. They love to bring a downer into your life. And so that's who this man is. And he would probably have turned on Absalom in the near future. But he shows up and it says that he blew a trumpet. Now, 
The fact that he has access to a trumpet like that means that he was somewhat in charge, maybe back in the army with Saul, and and he was on the side of Absalom, and he had some kind of power there, but he has some kind of authority to where he can blow the trumpet, and, and, and people are listening to him. So it says in verse 2 that, So every man of Israel, again from the northern tribes, deserted David. Can you imagine David's heart at this time? Again, he's, he's been going through a lot of stuff. And, and, and just five minutes ago in the earlier chapter, they're all fighting over him, and now they're all turning against him. And again, it just kind of reminded me of Jesus. When, when, when he comes in, and, you know, on a donkey, his triumphal entry, and everybody's yelling Hosanna, you know, to, to the son of David, save us now. Man, he's come to do a mighty work, and then a week later they're shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. And, and we almost see this with David, with David, and it's like David can't catch a break anywhere. Here, here everybody's clamoring for him at one point. They're shouting his name. They want a share of him. And then this worthless Yahoo here comes in and he is just turning everything on a dime. And everybody has turned on him. The happy, happy is all over. <laughs> so much for the joy that was coming in. And, and, and you look at this and you're going, man, people can be pretty fickle, huh? People can, 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 can turn on people on a dime. It just depends on how they're feeling sometimes. And we need to be careful about that, that we are not those kinds of people that because one person turns on somebody, we have to join the mob and hate everybody that they hate. We have to be really careful about that as Christians because it happens within churches all the time. How do you think church splits happen when people come in and they're worthless fellows in that sense that are brought in by the enemy to turn people against other people. We need to be really, really careful that we don't jump on bandwagons just because it seems that that's what everybody else is doing. And we need to be super careful with those kinds of things when they happen in our lives. And so we don't want to be a fickle type of person. In verse 3, it tells us that, that David came to his house in Jerusalem and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left there to keep the house, and, and, and he put them in seclusion. But he supported them. He took care of them. But, they, but he never had sexual relationships with them ever again. And, and they were shut up to the day of their death and living in in wood, widowhood. Now, I totally understand that David shouldn't have all these women around anyways. I totally understand that. And I'm not, I'm not standing up for David in any way, shape, or form. He had way too many women in his life. But apparently, this was a common practice in the day. To not just have their wives, his wives, but he also to have concubines. You know, and, and a concubine in Old Testament times was a female slave. Or a mistress of somehow, some kind. With whom a man was, was, it was lawfully permitted for them to have these women in his life to have sexual intercourse with. That, that, they, they were there for pleasure. And the law even protected 
these women that they would not be mistreated or sold for nothing like that. They were to be taken care of. And so David is, 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 is holding up his end of the bargain in the sense that even though he has all these women that he shouldn't have in the first place, but he has them nonetheless, but he is not going to go into them anymore. All because of what had happened with Absalom. If you remember, when Absalom came into Jerusalem and he had left these ten women to tend the house, that Ahithophel tells him, hey, this is how you can get back at your dad. These ten women that he has left behind, why don't you just go have sex with them on this roof and let everybody see what is going on because then you will be a big reproach to your dad and everybody will know that you have turned your back on your dad by doing something like this. And I don't think that it was something willful that these concubines wanted to do. And, and, and here uh, uh, Absalom is doing exactly what he killed his brother over for raping his sister. He basically just raped these 10 women. And because of that, David, because they have been defiled by his son, he puts them aside. And, and man, I'm going over this story. I'm going, this is not fair. These women did not ask for this. I, at least I don't think they would. You know, it, it's almost like they didn't choose this life. You know, the, the, the king, he decides, hey, I want you, I want you, I want you, and I want you. And it's like, can they say, I, I, I'm not in the concubine business. That's not what I do. That's not who I want. I, I don't want to be that. I want to I want a white picket fence with a house with a husband and, and, and a dog and all these, uh, maybe a sheep here and there. But, but I don't want to be a concubine. But, but see, this is what the kings could do. And so he, they're, they're taken by David and then they're taken by Absalom. And again, they didn't choose that. How did David choose? Hey, you tend to stay here. It's like, great. And now he gets back and he puts them away. And I'm thinking, man, these poor ladies, you know, they didn't ask for that. And there's situations in our lives that we didn't ask for. They just happen. They just happen upon people. It it was no fault of your own. These things just kind of happen. And and as I thought about it, it's like, man, they're taken by David. They're taken by Absalom. Now they're put away by David. I thought, well, maybe, maybe they're okay with that because now they know that nobody's going to hurt them. No, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll be widows. And yet through this whole thing that has been going on in David's life, there's innocent people that are getting hurt all the way through. But this is life, isn't it? <laughs> people get hurt every stinking day. Sometimes no fault of their own, but people are getting hurt because of other people's decisions and choices that they're making in people's lives. And all of a sudden, you're, you're the one that's, that's paying the consequence for something. You're going, I never asked for this. Again, if David would have just stuck with one wife, you know, one woman in his life, but he couldn't do that. His son would surpass him by thousands or by hundreds to do the same thing and destroy people's lives, basically. And so verses 4 to 13, it says, And the king said to Amasa, Assemble the men of Judah to me within three days and be present here yourself. 
So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah. But he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, the son of Bichri, uh, will do us more, more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. So Joab's men with the Kurathites and the Pilathites and all the mighty men went out before him. And they went out of Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. When they were at the large stone, which is by Gibeon, Amasa came before them. Now Joab was dressed in battle armor. On on it was a belt with a sword fastened to its sheath it, uh, at his hip. And he was going forward. As he was going forward, it fell out. Then Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand. And he struck him with it in the stomach, as his, and his entrails poured out on the ground, and he did not strike him again. Thus he died. Then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. Meanwhile, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David follow Joab but Amasa wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway and when a man saw that the people stood still he moved Amasa from the highway into the field and threw a garment over him when he saw that everybody everyone who came upon him halted when he had removed him from the highway, all the people went after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. Man, oh man. If you remember last week, Amasa had been made the commander, or he had been the commander of Absalom's um, army. And in an act of amnesty after the victory, and these guys all coming back, uh, all who were involved in this coup, um, David kind of forgave them. And in, in forgiving them, he made Amasa the commander of his own army in place of Joab. Now, I think that part of that decision had to be because he realized or he found out that Joab had killed his son. And so instead of commending him, he demotes him and takes away the, the commandership of him, of, you know, the, 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 the position that he has, and, and he gives it over to Amasa. Now, if you remember, 
David is the, the uncle of all these guys. He's the dad of Absalom, but he is the, the uncle of Abishai and, and Joab, and he is the uncle of Amasa as well. And so Joab and Amasa are cousins here. So David giving the, the troops to Amasa was, was a slap in the face to Joab. But David, wanting to dip this insurrection in the bud, he, he, he calls Amasa and he says, hey, get the troops together. I'm going to give you the special time to, that, that you can amass the troops. I'll give you a window of, of time so that you can bring them all together. And, and I don't want another war to break out, so we need to go take care of this. And so within three days, bring your troops before me. Now, he delayed longer the set time, or he delayed in that set time. And so David turns to Abishai, not to, not to Joab, but to Abishai, Joab's brother, who they were close, so I don't know if Joab would ever kill Abishai, but he te- looks to him and says, hey, it's quite possible that Amasa has, has defected because he had defected before, and it's quite possible he's gone with Sheba. I haven't seen him here. It doesn't tell us if he waited three full days but he turns the troops over to Abishai and he says, hey man, we need to go take care of this situation before it gets out of hand. And so it says in, in verse 7, so Joab's men, and it's like, well, they're not Joab's men anymore, but everybody knew that he was still the man. He was not in charge, but he was there with them. And in verse 7, when it talks about the Kurathites and the Pilathites, these were the, the, the bodyguards, if you will. These were the bodyguards of David. And I'm sure everybody thought, hey man, Joab's on the scene, everything's going to get back to normal. And, and then it came, they came to the large stone, which is in Gibeon. And I want to read verses 8 through 10 through the New Living Translation. Verse 8, it says, As they arrived to the great stone in Gibeon, Amasa met them. Joab was wearing his military tunic and a dagger strapped to his belt. As he stepped forward to greet Amasa, he slipped the dagger from his sheath. How are you, my cousin? (laughs) Joab said and took him by the beard with his right hand as though to kill him, or to kiss him. Amasa didn't notice the dagger in his left hand, and Joab stabbed him in the stomach so uh, with it so that his insides gushed out on the ground. Joab did not need to strike again, and Amasa soon died. Joab and his brother Abishai left him lying there, and continued after Sheba. I'm thinking, man, if anybody ever names their kid Joab, they're only asking for trouble. Man, I don't, I've never heard a kid named Joab. I don't know if you've ever heard, but man, oh man, I wouldn't trust a kid by the name of Joab. Not me. Man, oh man, again, man, I cannot figure this guy out. It's like, man, I could, I could understand he's a little upset. <laughs> Because they demoted him. But this is his cousin. (laughs) This is his cousin that that he is coming after. And and it's almost like you'd be better off in life not being a family member of Joab. 
you'd have a much longer life if you weren't as part of his family. Because <laughs> if you're fat, part of his family, it's like, you're open game. And, and it's interesting because in, in the New King James that I normally read out of, it says that when he came forward, that his sword fell out. It's like, did it really fall out? Or did he just like, oh, here, let me get that. And then he grabs him and then he stabs him. It's like, because it almost sounds like in, in, in the New Living Translation, that man, oh man, he, he had this all prepared. Here, let me go say, hey, cuz, you okay? Everything okay? Come here, let me give you a kiss. It's like, dude, man, are you from the mafia or something? Giving him the kiss of death? Because you're going to shank him right now and kill him? And all his entrails fall out? Man, this is kind of gory. <laughs> and again, you're almost thinking like, Amasa didn't ask for this. He didn't ask for this. I don't think Amasa said, hey, now that you've pardoned us, David, make me your commander. No, he didn't do that. He got there and Amasa, you know, he, he, you know, again, he comes and he's probably ashamed that he had turned on David. But David said, hey, man, I forgive all you guys. As a matter of fact, Amasa, I want you to be my commander, you know, of the armies. And Amasa's going, but you have Joab. And he's going, no, 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 man, I want you. And so Amasa, he didn't ask for any of this. He didn't ask for the job. He didn't ask for the position. And here he gets stabbed <laughs> and killed. And it's like, poor guy. You almost feel sorry for him. I mean, you, you want to feel sorry for him, but he did side with Absalom, who was the enemy. But he didn't ask for this. And Joab wasn't one to hold grudges for a long time. He really wasn't. Because he killed them. That's why. He didn't hold grudges. He just killed you. It's like, Joab, what kind of man are you? Well, he's focused because he wants to go, go get Sheba, but Amasa shows up and is like, oh yeah, I think i got to get rid of this guy. Come here, cuz. He just leaves him there. He, 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 he just leaves Amasa a like, a, like a speed bump there. <laughs> and that's what he's literally going to be, a speed bump, because everybody stops before they go over him. <laughs> and it's like, this, this is just like a crazy story. But you've got to hand it to, to Joab, man. He was, he's not in charge, but he is focused at the task at hand, and that is we need to go get Sheba. And nobody's going to stand in our way. And, and in verses 11 through 13, it says, Meanwhile, one of, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa, and he says, who, who, Who's for Joab and for David? Because if you are, let, let's, let's go follow after these guys. Let's, let's, go, let's go take care of this. And so he rallies the troops. But all these guys are going like, and I'm thinking, they have seen blood and guts before. But this must be pretty gnarly. Or they're thinking, we know that he's our commander. The, 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 army ha- the, the fight hasn't even started and our commander's dead. And so it's almost like they're rubbernecking, man. They can't get past this ugly accident or stuff that we all have to look. And so they can't even get past this whole thing. And there's a massa in, in, in a pool of blood on the highway. And the army just comes to a full-blown blo- full halt because their commander is dead. And one of Joab's men is wise enough to move the corpse off the highway and cover him up 
so that they can continue on what they're going to go do. But you're just thinking, what just happened? So these guys are off to go after Sheba. Now, we trust that somebody did bury this man because it would be, it, 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 it was considered a serious thing not to give somebody a proper burial. So I don't know exactly how it happened, but as one commentator said, it wouldn't have been proper if they just left him off to the side. But then again, we are talking about Joab and these guys. And so in verse 14, then he, Sheba, went through all the tribes of of Israel to Abel and Beth Maacah and all the Berites. So they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. And they came and besieged him at Abel of Beth Maacah. And they cast up a siege mount against the city. And it stood up or stood by the rampart or fortress. And all the people who were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Then a wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear. (laughs) Please say to Joab, "Come, come nearby that I may speak with you. When he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, They shall surely seek guidance at Abel. And so they would... In disputes, I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. Yet you seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me, that I would swallow up or destroy. (laughs) That, That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri, by name, has risen or raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from your city, from the city. So the woman said to Joab, watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. (laughs) And I'm thinking... He's probably thinking, were we separated at birth here? Because if not, I think I like you. (laughs) Maybe me and you can make a great team. (laughs) He's like, what? Then the woman, in her wisdom, (laughs) went to all the people, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, (laughs) and threw it out to Joab. Then he blew the trumpet. And they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. Again, don't you just read this thing and you're going, what? What what just happened here? This woman from this place, Abel, 
It says that she's a wise woman. And it's interesting because it's almost like they're, they're, they're up pounding on this door and, and you can just hear the boom, boom. And she's going, um, here, here, excuse me. And it's like, oh, nice old lady. No. She said, hey, um, why are you trying to destroy my city? And Joab's like, I'm not trying to destroy your city. Not far be it from me that I would ever destroy anything. It's like, dude, you're a killing machine. You could care less about people. But this lady is going, well, wait, 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 wait. This city is known for, for cause, you know, kind of bringing disputes here. And we kind of settle disputes here. Tell me, what's going on? And you're almost going like, man, a nice lady. And he says, well, this one guy by the name of Sheba, he's escaped into your city. I don't know how, how big the city was. But she says, oh, you should have just told me. We'll, we'll cut his head off and throw it over the fence. <laughs> oh, that's how you settle disputes. <laughs> Apparently, you don't want to go there and be in the wrong because you're going to lose your head. <laughs> and I'm thinking, my gosh, this man Sheba, who wanted to be the head of the army, loses his head instead. Because he's a rebel. He's a scoundrel. He's worthless. And, and this guy who thinks he is something, he is nothing. And this man who thought that he was going to rule this kingdom, or somehow like that, doesn't understand. No, God wants David, not you, Sheba. You're worthless. You're a worker of the enemy, if anything. And, and it's almost like, here's the consequences for wickedness. Here's the consequence of for being, being a rebel, a worthless fellow in that sense, a son of, of, of Belial. <laughs> That's who you are. And you end up getting your head cut off. You die a worthless death almost. It, it's, it's just a sad situation here, but you're going, this woman had, she had Joab's ear. It's like, you should have told me, Joab. Didn't have to come pounding on the door, just knock. Hey, you need somebody's head. Throw it to us. Absolutely. And it's almost like <laughs> they're just waiting around. It's like heads should be coming over. Heads up. <laughs> heads up. Cause <laughs> be careful. <laughs> and you're going like, what kind of people are these? This this is this is real life, guys. This, this is story. I mean, I don't know how you share this story with your kids. I don't know how the Sunday school teachers will do this when they go through the story. But I want to see the coloring page on that one. <laughs> because it's just like, all righty. And Joab is pretty happy now, and he blows the trumpet. And it's interesting because Joab returns to the king in Jerusalem. Now, again, it's like looking at that, you're going, Joab, you're not even the commander. Remember you got fired? You got fired from this whole thing. But I could guarantee you it was Joab that came in with the head. It's like, here's the guy. I know I'm not the boss here, but I took care of the situation here. And look at what happens in these last verses. He says, and Joab was over the army of Israel. And it was almost like David can't get rid of his nephew. There's no way. And it's like, David, I would be sleeping with one eye open forever with your nephew because you can't trust this guy. And ben, 
Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the bodyguards. Adoram was in charge of revenue. Jehoshaphat, the jumper, um, the son of Ahilad, was recorder. Shiva, the scribe, Zadok, Zadok, and Abiathar were the priests, and Ira, the Jeurite, was chief minister under David. And so once again, we see David's cabinet. We, we get a little bit of information about who these guys are. Uh, but it's just kind of interesting that Joab goes back to, and David gives him back the control over the army. Now, again, Joab is a fighter. He, he, is, he is the kind of man that you want on your side. Uh, but you don't want to be a family member, but you want him on, his, on your side because he will go get the job done, and that's what he did here. He wasn't in charge, but he knew what he had to do to take care of the situation. And again, I don't know how to feel about him. I really don't. Because I, the guy's ruthless. He has so much blood on his hands. And yet somehow the Lord allows him to continue to be right next to David. And there are times that Joab talks some sense into David and there's times that David just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this guy. But he's here. He's on my side and I have to take care of the situation because he's king and he has this whole nation to take care of. Guys, what I want to end end with is the fact that there are, there are trials that people battle with each and every day. You battle with them each and every day. They, they, they might be minute right now. They might be small, but sometimes they're huge in your life. And, 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 and you, can't, you can't dismiss those trials. To, to other people, they're going, you're going through what? Try ruling the world someday. Jeez, like David. It's like... You don't even have half the trials that I have, but you know what? They're, they're trials nonetheless. And I know that people, well-meaning people, they, they talk to me, it's like, oh, pastor, man, you must go through some very heavy trials because you're the pastor. And I'm going, not any harder than what you're going through because they're just as real. What you're going through is just as real. It's different than mine. Sometimes I, have it, I feel like I have it easy compared to some of you guys. <laughs> now watch, I'm going to go through a heavy one tomorrow. Whatever. But again, trials are there every day. And sometimes it seems like, no, life is okay. But there's always something, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's, a, it's an emotional thing, whether it's, it, 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 it's a spiritual thing. There's something going on each and every day, guys. And we have nowhere else to go but Jesus. We need to press into him. Because you're either going into a trial in the middle of or coming out of one and getting ready for the next one. But guys, if you need rest in your life because you're in the middle of it, then press into Jesus. If you know there's a trial coming, press into Jesus. That's all you can do. That's, that's, that's all we can do. We can give up, and then what? We have nowhere else to go but Him. And so I want to encourage you. Because again, we, we look at the life of David and it just doesn't stop until he breathes his last. There's always going to be issues. And so... I want to encourage you that if you're going through trials, man, we're going to be here. Hang out after church for a little bit. Uh, we have prayer teams normally that are up here. Come and get some prayer for that. 
Well, you just need to talk to, to somebody, Pastor Daniel here, I'm here, Craig's here. Um, talk, talk to somebody, you know, Bonnie, Hannah, there's some ladies here, Blanca's here. Talk to somebody. Don't, don't leave here without being prayed for if you need prayer, okay? Let's pray. Father, once again, Lord, we are so in awe of who you are. Lord, to think, Lord God, that all these stories that we read about, Lord, sometimes it's just hard to understand and comprehend of why they happen and how they happen. But Lord, we look at, at, at all these things that happen, and this is reality. These are things that, are, that, that, that have happened in the past, and they're things that are happening today. And Lord, we, we don't quite understand because there's people that, that didn't ask for any of this, and they're in the middle of some trials that are so overwhelming that they, there's no way out. And there's people that are get hurt, and there's people that get killed, and there's people that, 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 that just are so confused that they can't even move because it's just devastating. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here tonight, Lord. I don't, I don't know what they're battling right now. I don't know what it is that, 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 that is in their life right now. If they're just at a standstill because they just can't get over the speed bump. And I pray for them right now. That you would encourage them to rest in you. That you would encourage them to, to experience your peace, Lord. Even if they have none. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just continue to show us through your word who you are. That you are the God, God Almighty. You are the one that we can run to. You are the one that we can rest in. Lord, your word says that we are to cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. And that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us, Lord. That the enemy is always out there, Lord. Like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so, Lord, help us to press into you. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters tonight. Bless them and encourage them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Let's stand as we sing this last song.